President Biden wants to take your guns. And his reasoning is pretty simple. President Biden is arguing that the second amendment is outdated because if he really wanted to take you out, he could just nuke you. The second amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there are never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. And you think of the problem and the blood and the, you think that the, and the, and the Jefferson and uh, who, huh? Huh? What were we talking about? His, his argument runs into a problem, of course, because on the one hand, he's telling you that your AR-15 is completely powerless, and so there's no reason for you to have it. But he's, he's saying that within the context of telling you how your AR-15 is much too powerful, and that's why he's got to take it away from you. But the government is using much subtler weapons against all of us. It is turning the IRS against Christians. It is turning radical ideologies against our kids. And it is ignoring the development of bioweapons in Wuhan, China, under the State Department of Hillary Clinton. New leaked email show. You know what I have to say? Hands up, don't nuke. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from King Loser, who says, it's hard to win an argument with a smart person, but it is impossible to win an argument with a stupid person. This is very, very true. I have noticed this. You want some consistency from your people, at least, you know, uh, broadly speaking. But when someone changes his mind, that's actually a sign of intelligence. If he had the wrong opinion, it's good that he has the right opinion. You can never do that with a stupid person. That's good advice to go along with what we said yesterday. Do not wrestle with pigs. You will both get dirty and he will like it. Especially in chaotic, crazy times such as ours, really makes you want to invest in physical gold. That's why I would recommend checking out Acre. You know the price of gold has been all over the place. Uh, You know that fears of inflation are getting more and more dramatic. Great time to get invested in physical gold. But you might say, Michael, I'd love to do it. I just don't have the scratch on hand. Gold is not exactly cheap. What if I told you you can get investing in physical gold for as low as $30 a month? $30, Michael, that that can't be. Well, it can be because the geniuses over at Acre Gold have come up with this uh, ingenious new product, which permits you to subscribe $30 a month when your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars. They will discreetly ship physical Acre Gold to your house. I've always loved investing in precious metals. It's done me very well. And especially when you want to hedge your investments against inflation, physical gold is a terrific way to do it. I really enjoy being invested in Acre Gold. Head on over to getacregold.com slash Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to that URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. Yes, a gold bar to qualify, tweet, or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. This argument drives me nuts, this totally self-contradictory argument that 
The guns that we have are now way, way too powerful, and we've got to take those guns away from the people. The founding fathers could have never envisioned people having guns this powerful. And also, they're completely powerless, and they would do nothing against the government, so don't worry about it. The point of the Second Amendment, of course, is to protect yourself, not just against burglars, not just against wild animals, but against people who want to do you harm, destroy your way of life, take away your liberties, and and harm you and your family whether that person is a foreign invader or whether that person is a tyrannical government. That is the reason that the, the framers put the Second Amendment in our Bill of Rights. The AR-15 is a common weapon. It's the most popular weapon in America, and it is a good weapon. It's an accurate weapon. When, when Biden says, if you want to go against the government, you've got to have an a, a F-15 or a nuclear weapon. What are you talking about? Afghanistan, I I think it's the size of Texas, right? It's not bigger than that. And our government has struggled to occupy Afghanistan in a serious way for 20 years now. And we're basically going to give up and the Taliban is going to go back in. We have a very large country. We have a, a, a very serious citizenry. We have lots of people who want to defend our way of life. You can't have it both ways, Mr. Biden. Speaking of violence, a, a much bigger story that was trending all day yesterday is, of course, the death of John McAfee. John McAfee, the colorful software pioneer, the guy who had the antivirus software that we all had in the 1990s and 2000s. John McAfee shows up dead in a Spanish prison, raises a lot of questions. What was John McAfee doing in a Spanish prison? <laughs> Why would he kill himself? And actually, did he kill himself? John McAfee was was found to have committed suicide as he was waiting extradition to the United States, ostensibly for for tax fraud. This is a little confusing because John McAfee tweeted about seven or eight months ago, quote, I am content in here. I have friends. The food is good. All is well. Know that if I hang myself, a la Epstein, it will be no fault of mine. John McAfee talked about collecting files on very powerful people and on corrupt governments, notably our own government. He talked about having a kill switch. He got a tattoo that said whacked. He got a tattoo on his arm that said, that implied the government is trying to kill me. Uh, McAfee said this explicitly on multiple occasions. And he said, if I get killed, just look at the tattoo. It says that I got whacked. Then minutes after he was discovered to have allegedly killed himself, his last post on social media, presumably uploaded by a family member, was the letter Q. Q. Now, you remember Q was very important to the QAnon theory that the left talked about incessantly. For those unfamiliar, the Daily Mail says, quote, the QAnon conspiracy theory, which came about during the presidency of Donald Trump, holds a wide range of odd beliefs including that Trump was secretly battling cannibalistic pedophiles who worship Satan. So I'm trying to find the conspiracy part of that. that is there any, is, the, is that it? That's all, that seems to me like a conspiracy theorem. That seems to be just, no, I'm kidding. I'm ki- Please don't take me off YouTube <laughs> for suggesting that the, li- I mean, you know, Risa Aslan, the guy at CNN, that guy was a cannibal. And, you know, you've got like Jeffrey Epstein and some pedophiles and the Satan worship. I mean, that's just before our, but no. Okay. So anyway, that uh, conspiracy theory, you know, it's a little bit kooky. So the last thing this guy posts is the Q. On the one hand, he lived a colorful life. He was a bit of a troll during his life. 
Maybe this was just one final performance that he was setting up everybody to say, if I kill myself, it'll be a, it'll be the government and it'll be a conspiracy. And then he actually does kill himself and it leaves everyone wondering. I guess that's one possibility. Or it's possible that he really meant it when he said that they're trying to kill me. They're, I've, I've lived under very strange circumstances for many, many years at this point. And uh, they, then they did kill him. And he said, if, if I kill myself, you know, it's not, it's not real. Some, somebody offed me. A lot of people are saying right now that the conspiracy theory is that the man committed suicide. That so much evidence is on the side of someone offing him that, that the craziest conclusion you could reach is that he killed himself. I, I have one big question about the Epstein death and first of all, the fact that we refer to him getting Epstein, right? The fact that he referred to himself getting Epstein is evidence, I think, that something is seriously wrong in our institutions. That we all just know that it, that Epstein didn't kill himself. We, we all just know it. Or if he did kill himself, it was under very, very strange circumstances where, oh, the cameras just went out. And oh yeah, the guards just fell asleep. And oh yeah, the guards falsified records. And yeah, oops. And, and we're all just cool with that. We all just shrug and we say, ah, ha, ha, Je- Epstein didn't kill himself. Ha, 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 ha. Well, the implication there, of course, is that someone killed him. Someone went into a prison and murdered him. And we're all just like, well, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way the world works. That implies, oh, yes, the, the possibly billionaire pedophile ring Caribbean island owner who was hanging out with the most powerful people on earth, who had a, U, a former U.S. president, Bill Clinton, flying around on his plane dozens of times, and who was close friends with Bill Gates, and close friends with the British royal family, with Prince Andrew, and close friends with lots of other super powerful people, and seems to have had connections to foreign governments. Ha ha, he just got, whatever, moving on. That was a fun meme. Okay, moving on. So the, the troubling thing for me here is beyond the death of Jeffrey Epstein and beyond the death of John McAfee, the fact that we all just accept this sort of corruption from our government or other governments. Even even if the guys actually killed themselves, the fact that we just expect this kind of corruption from our governments and shrug it off, that is a troubling thing. But there are many reasons to expect that level of corruption well beyond these two eccentric rich guys. Speaking of dubious suicides, Hillary Clinton is back in the news. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying check for fingerprints. Notably fingerprints, like little tiny fingerprints, maybe that look like a lady who was the first lady of Arkansas and then later the United States. In 2009, according to leaked documents right now, Hillary Clinton, then Secretary of State, warned in a State Department cable obtained by WikiLeaks that the work being done at the Wuhan Institute of Virology could lead to, quote, biological weapons proliferation concern. This is according to reporting from our pal Jack Posobiec over at Human Events. Now, we were told by Hillary Clinton and by so many other members of the liberal establishment that any suggestion that the virus was not naturally occurring, any suggestion that it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, any institute that it came from China, period, was racist and awful and bigoted. We now have evidence that Hillary Clinton knew that this sort of thing was going on. It was sort of thing was 
being intentionally developed at the Wuhan Institute all the way back in 2009. Sounds like Clinton might not have been so honest with us. You know, we want honesty from our people. We want all this corruption to go away. We want to protect ourselves from the people who want to harm us. One great way to protect yourself, you got to get a taser. When I want to protect myself, I turn to taser. Taser has a terrific line of non-lethal self-protection devices. They're small, they're lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove box or purse. They're also powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. I really like this device because you're not going to kill somebody. And if you accidentally, if some accident happens with yourself, it would be very difficult for that to happen. But if you did have an accident with yourself, it wouldn't kill you. Wouldn't, it would be non-lethal, but it is very effective at stopping an attacker. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, giving you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. They got great, really great features, especially that emergency dispatch. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser's defense devices are available without a permit in most U.S. states. This is what's really important. Places where you wouldn't be allowed necessarily to take a firearm. In a lot of places, you can take a Taser. Uh, The Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light are available at taser.com with promo code Knowles. That is T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Knowles. You'll save 15% right now. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Taser.com, promo code Knowles. Hillary Clinton tweets out last year, quote, The president is turning to racist rhetoric to distract from his failures to take the coronavirus seriously early on, make tests widely available, and adequately prepare the country for a period of crisis. Don't fall for it. Don't let your friends and family fall for it. This is because Trump was accurately and precisely referring to the China virus, the virus that came from China you know, like the Spanish flu or Ebola or West Nile. So he was referring to the China virus. But whenever Trump identified the geographic location that the virus would come from, that was considered racist and terrible. Hillary Clinton, years and years ago, 10 years prior or more, recognized that there were some troubling things going on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they were studying and beefing up coronaviruses Uh, specifically for bioweapons. And she warned about this and then nothing happened. So if if Hillary Clinton is going to knock anybody for not taking this seriously, it probably should be Hillary Clinton herself or Barack Obama because nothing was really done. And the U.S. federal government continued to fund and continued to work with the Wuhan Institute of Virology up until this virus leaks. And then they cover up for them. They help the Chinese government obscure the origins of the virus. And they continue to do that today, even as evidence after evidence after evidence mounts that that this came from the lab and that this was engineered by human beings. Our good old friend, Dr. Fauci, continues to try to obscure the truth here. Speaking of the coronavirus, though, I've got some bad news for you. Well, I've got some bad news, but it's also news that just doesn't matter at all. Joe Biden set a July 4th date for hitting his targets on COVID and finally putting the virus behind us. And unfortunately, according to Jeffrey Zaints, the head of the White House coronavirus response team, because of those damn youths, because of young Americans refusing to take the jab that they, they don't need to get because obviously they don't stand really any statistical risk from coronavirus. Because of that, we are not going to meet that July 4th deadline. For Americans 30 and older, 
we have met the president's goal of at least one shot. That's right, we have met the president's 70% goal for all U.S. adults 30 and over. Where the country has more work to do is particularly with 18 to 26-year-olds. The reality is many younger Americans have felt like COVID-19 is not something that impacts them, and they've been less eager to get the shot. However, with the Delta variant now spreading across the country and infecting younger people worldwide, it's more important than ever that they get vaccinated. Can you believe those, you know those young people who have statistically zero risk from this virus? Can you believe that those young people don't want to get an experimental drug that you're not ever allowed to question, even as cases and cases mount of adverse reactions to the vaccine? Isn't that so, isn't that so strange that young people who just, it's a matter of prudence, don't need this thing, don't want to get it? It's, it's awful. It's terrible. Because of the Delta variant, that's the Indian variant, but we're not allowed to call it the Indian variant anymore. The World Health Organization said that to simplify things, we're no longer going to call the, the virus and the variants by the places that they come from. We're going to simplify it by, uh, by using Greek letters. You know, those Greek letters that everyone is so familiar with. So this is really some terrible news coming out of the White House. We're not going to reach the July 4th deadline. And my, my big sophisticated take on this is, um, okay, whatever. Who cares? I, I certainly don't care. No one cares even. I never cared. I was never paying attention to these stupid rules any more than I had to, any more than the society forced me to pay attention to these dumb rules from people like Fauci and the liberal establishment that were changing their minds and changing their guidance every single day, often contradicting themselves. Other than when the society absolutely forced me to, I just ignored it. I was basically French kissing people on the street as a way to say hello. I was basically licking doorknobs from the beginning of this epidemic. Feel great. Never felt better. Knock on wood, you know, of course, people, people can get sick, but I'm, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to make a prudential judgment to go about and live my life. I assume a lot of people are doing that too. It's, it's going to be very difficult right now for the Biden administration to say, do not go out, do not celebrate the 4th of July. After just, after encouraging people to go, you know, celebrate Pride Month, to, to finally, you know, go out, you don't need to wear the mask all the time now after saying that things are getting better, after saying that the, the vaccine is so effective for people who've already gotten it, after inventing a new holiday, they just invented a new holiday last week that people were supposed to go celebrate, but now they're going to try to tell us, but you can't, you can't go out on the 4th of July. Uh, okay. I'm not terribly concerned about that. I intend to eat hot dogs and drink beer, look at fireworks if there are any, and uh, go ahead and live my life. And I would encourage you to do that as well. Now the kids are not all right, not because they don't want to get this experimental drug that doesn't stand to improve their health really in any way. The kids are not all right because they just don't want to celebrate the 4th of July. This, according to at least one survey. A new survey out of North Dakota State University discovered that the majority of liberal-minded college students are not proud to be an American, where at least they know they're free. The survey was released by NDSU's Chally Institute for Global Innovation and Growth, focused on the role that colleges are playing in promoting free speech and tolerance of diverse views. 57% of liberal students said that they are not proud to be Americans, while 73% of conservative students said that they are. The majority of, quote, independent 
and apolitical students, 59%, said that they are also proud to be Americans. This is a noteworthy survey. In a way, it doesn't tell us anything we don't know. We know that the left does not particularly care for this country. Uh, Why do we know that? Uh, Because they don't stand for the Star-Spangled Banner, because they don't speak particularly highly of this country. They do promote ahistorical, anti-factual nonsense like the 1619 Project, for instance. Uh, They're tearing down statues of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson, and they're putting up new flags and and new statues in their place. Uh, So yes, this is not surprising at all. Not surprising that conservatives do like their country. If they didn't like their country and they didn't want to conserve something, they probably wouldn't be conservatives. But the key here, I think, are the independent and the apolitical students. A clear majority of them are proud to be Americans. This is something I get to in my new book, which is available as of the past couple days to order, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Radicals can only force a revolution if they have some hold on the common sense. Otherwise, they're just kooks and, and the rest of us are going to laugh at them. The common sense tells people that they still basically like their country. It's very strange because the left controls all the levers of power. They have all of the institutions now. They have the elected government. They have it entirely, right? They have the House of Representatives. They have the Senate. They have the presidency. Uh, The Supreme Court is allegedly conservative, but it, it doesn't really operate that way. They have the bureaucracy. Obviously, they have the the media and the universities, and now they even have the military. We'll get to that in just a second. So they control everything as a matter of the levers of power, and yet they can't get the people to go along with their really radical ideas. They can't get the people to give up their guns, no matter how hard Biden tries. They can't get people to trans the kids, no matter how hard they try. They can't get people to go along with critical race theory, for instance. You've got parents showing up to school board meetings. It's some of the greatest hope right now in the country is ordinary parents are showing up to meetings saying, hey, whatever this nonsense is you're teaching my kids, cut it out. And then the elites are actually sneering at them. They're saying, well, you don't even know what critical race theory is. (laughs) Ha ha, you stupid, irredeemable, deplorable rube. And that's further alienating the common people from the desiccated mediocrities that that claim to be the, the ruling class. So that is very, very good news. That alienation, I think, is going to increase. And I think people are going to dig their heels in on defending their way of life. Not just, it's not just about the conservatives versus the libs, but it's crucially about those independents and those moderates. You know, obviously right now, I am not in my studio. For those of you who are watching, I am on the road. I was hanging out with my friend Tim Poole last night and the rest of the gang over there, Lydia and Ian. Uh, you can check out that episode. We were talking about, among other things, my book, Speechless. Thank you to everyone who has ordered that book already. You know, we, there it is. There's that bell. I was wondering if we had one in this hotel room. You can get Speechless right now. It's really jumped up the charts. It has uh, cracked the top 100 on all of Amazon. It has cracked the top 50 on all of Amazon. And most of the top books are actually cookbooks and children's books. So in terms of real books, I think it's pretty high up there. Uh, thank you to everyone who has ordered it. Uh, you can, I believe, still get a signed first edition. I'm actually not sure. Uh, those are at Premier Collectibles. If not, you can get the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, wherever books are sold. I really want to jab it in the eye of the libs who put together the bestseller list. So thank you for helping me. <laughs> thank you for indulging me on that. Uh, we're going to be talking about censorship tonight. We're going to be talking about 
what the, the left is censoring, notably in things in the news like the lab leak hypothesis. We're going to be talking about the way that our words have been totally transformed uh, through things like the, the woke army ads. We're going to be talking about everything on Backstage. So head on over. You get me, Ben, Drew, Matt, Jeremy, the God King Boring, everybody over on Backstage. Streams at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central at dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel. Do not miss it. We'll be right back. AOC has something nice to say about white men and Republicans. Those are two groups that she conflates. She thinks they're identical, but it's very rare that AOC would have anything nice to say about either of those groups. And it's a little bit of a backhanded compliment, but it's all because Republicans caved on our most sacred national feast day the high point of the liturgical year, that wonderful holiday that's totally a real thing and not just completely made up by the libs, June 19th. This is pretty consistent with, I think, the Republican base and it's whether it's trying to fight against teaching basic history around racism um, and the role of racism in U.S. history to, you know, there's a direct through line from that to denying Juneteenth, the day that we that is widely recognized and celebrated as the symbolic kind of day that to represent the end of slavery in the United States you know there's a direct through line between that denial of our history and wanting to understand the full scope of our history and celebrating the end a major end of injustice in the United States and i think it's a it's a shame but there's also plenty of wonderful allies that helped us pass this vote today despite that. And so um, I'm very thankful to all of our colleagues, um, including the white men in the Republican caucus that said, OK, fine, we'll vote for this mm-hmm. or on this one, too. But I think it just goes to show the importance of teaching his, our history, um, warts and all, because it helps us appreciate the justice and freedoms that we have today. Isn't it so great that now finally we're starting to learn about slavery? Wait, I had never heard about. Did you know? Apparently in the United States for some period of time, actually a relatively short period of time compared to the rest of the world, uh, including the many places today outside the West that still have slavery. Did you know we had slavery in America? You probably didn't know that until Juneteenth, until we finally stopped denying (laughs) Juneteenth. You know that thing that I can guarantee you AOC had never heard of until like four years ago. Now, but now we can't, we can't deny. We, how can, we kept denying it for so long, but now we know about Juneteenth. What they are doing is, as I predicted, making Juneteenth into the critical race theory holiday. They're making Juneteenth into the radical progressive holiday. They're saying that if you celebrate Juneteenth, you, you then must, it is a logical necessity, accept insane ideologies like critical race theory into the schools. You must accept the reframing of American history by the 1619 Project that puts slavery at the heart of the American narrative. You must accept these things. And by the way, critical race theory, according to these guys, is no, no more than teaching about some of the warts in American history, the warts and all. The problem with critical race theory is not that it exposes America's true history, warts and all. It's that it perverts and lies about American history to only present the warts. 
<laughs> critical race theory says, it posits, that America is intrinsically evil, that everything about America is evil. If you, if you want to read up on this, you can either read, there, there's a seminal text, just, I think it's just called Critical Race Theory. It's a collection of essays by people like Kimberly Crenshaw and other pseudo-intellectuals who, who put this idea together. It's a derivation, obviously, of broader intellectual movements such as critical theory. But if you want to understand it you know, and just get the highlights, you can read my current book, book that is at now out, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. This uh, theory posits, there's one seminal essay, the, the name of the author now escapes me, but you can read it in that collection of essays. Uh, that says that forget about just the races and forget about, you know, white supremacy for a second and just focus on the economics. Private property itself in the American tradition is intrinsically white supremacist, bigoted, evil, terrible, must be done away with. This is a movement by avowed Marxists, usually, to upend the entire American system, the entire Western system, the entire system of private property. And that, that is what she is getting at there. And she says, well, thank you. Thank you to those white men in the Republican Party who are finally doing that. I do wish that those white men in the Republican Party who went along with this thing had paid attention to the white men and black men and women and Asians and Hispanics and smart people of all stripes who are conservative, who recognize the danger of this, this sort of thing. Speaking of Republicans, the IRS, you'll be shocked to hear, is targeting conservatives. I know they've been doing this more and more since Barack Obama uh, weaponized his IRS to go after the Tea Party specifically, to go after his political opponents. It actually, under Obama, the IRS went after an organization that I was a member of called the Friends of Aid. This was a group of Hollywood conservatives. Uh, the, the Obama IRS kept trying to get the book of membership. It was a tightly held secret because people would be blacklisted very often. They just wouldn't work in show business if it came out that one was a Republican. And uh, fortunately, we never gave the book on over to the IRS. Well, the IRS now is going after a Christian group because the, the IRS is holding that the Christian group is promoting the Bible and the Bible is a Republican Party document. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. On May 18th, the exempt organizations director over at the IRS, Stephen Martin, denied the application for tax exemption by a group called Christians Engaged because, Martin said, Christians engaged, engaged in prohibited political campaign intervention and operated for a substantial non-exempt private purpose and for the private interests of the Republican Party. Okay, well, how is that? Well, because Christians Engaged said that they're going to promote biblical teaching and they're going to do that in the public square and, quote, Bible teachings, he lowercased Bible, by the way, he said, Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates. This disqualifies Christians engaged from exemption under IRC section 501c3. Now, I'm going to go back to what the Daily Mail said earlier. We'll get back to John McAfee posting the, the letter Q. QAnon conspiracy theory is this idea that, that Trump was fighting against Satanists. Well, it would, it would appear that the IRS under the Biden administration is admitting that. <laughs> They're saying that if you support biblical teaching, if you support Christianity, then you are 
identifying yourself as a Republican. Maybe, now maybe to be fair to the IRS, maybe they're saying, look, if you promote overt Satan worship, that also would not get you a tax exemption because that would be a Democratic Party activity. We're not going to allow either of those things, Bible teaching or Satan worship, uh, to receive a tax exemption. But probably not, actually. Probably that's not what they would say. It's, it's a, an amazing, I won't even say it's a tacit acknowledgement that Christianity has a political dimension that these days involves opposing the radical left and its avatar, the Democratic Party. It's not tacit. It's explicit now. Read it up on the IRS's website. They're not just going after Protestants, by the way. The federal government, the elected officials are saying that if the Catholic Church withholds the Eucharist from Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is in a state of unrepentant grave mortal sin, and he's also committing the sin of scandal as the second nominally Catholic president who is now coming out and saying that uh, he he will... uh, continue to affirm the constitutional fictional right to abortion. It will continue to flout church teaching on a very important issue. Uh, If the church protects the Eucharist against Joe Biden and his scandal, they could lose their tax exemption. Representative Jared Huffman says, if they're going to politically weaponize religion by rebuking Democrats who support women's reproductive choice, then a rebuke of their tax exempt status may be in order. I'm glad that Huffman came out and said this. Uh, The threat against the Catholic Church is disgusting. The threat against Christians, broadly speaking, is absolutely disgusting. But it's been going on for a long time, and I'm glad they're finally admitting it. We do not have freedom of religion in this country. We are losing our freedom to practice religion every single day. We're losing it even in the language that we use. Barack Obama did this very adeptly. He changed the popular phrase from freedom of religion to freedom to worship. And it sounds like it's a subtle shift. I guess it is subtle, but it's significant. Religion is something that affects your whole life. You do religion. Religion is not a private affair. Religion is something you do in public with people, not just at church on Sundays, but every single day of the week. You have a a private spiritual life when you say your prayers at night or you go into your inner closet to, to to pray, but you also live your faith publicly. And what the left says is, no, you have the freedom, maybe, to go to church on Sunday, maybe, but actually during the epidemic, we're going to shut those down. But look, you still have the freedom to close your eyes and pray quietly in your own head as long as it doesn't affect anybody. And you're not allowed to continue to practice your faith when you, for instance, run your cake shop. You're not allowed to continue to practice your faith when you go to your place of employment or when you take up a role in the government. Uh, But... Now, Joe Biden is, because he's so clearly violating his own faith, the bishops have to decide, are are we going to permit Joe Biden to scandalously flout the faith here and eat what we hold to be the literal body of our Lord while he is in a state of unworthiness and unrepentant mortal sin? Or are we going to stand up and defend it? Well, if you defend it, folks, we're coming after you. Because we have a state-established church in this country. It is the state-established church of secular progressivism. It has its own liturgical calendar. It's got its own secular saints. It's got its own feast days. There's a new feast day called Juneteenth. There's a liturgical month. It's called Pride Month. We're celebrating it right now. And by the way, this will have public demands. 
This will have an actual caste system, which we're seeing increasingly with the development of critical race theory, with the castigation of white men as the bane of, of all evil on earth. You know, AOC so magnanimously is willing to acknowledge, okay, maybe white, white men occasionally do something that's okay, but really, I mean, we should expect pure evil from them. Well, at a Seattle LGBT Pride Month called Taking B Black Pride, Taking B in parentheses, L-A-C-K, pride. Uh, if, you're, if you're white, you have to pay more money. They're charging a reparations fee, they say $10 to $50, to keep the event free of cost for black and brown trans and queer people. How, that's pretty narrow. How many black and brown trans and queer people are there? Two Capitol Hill Pride organizers complained, and the Seattle Human Rights Commission blasted, human, what, the Human Rights Commission? What is that? Uh, blasted them on social media for complaining about charging white people more money than black people and uh, included their unredacted phone number and uh, came out. The, the Human Rights Commission decided to dox people and put them in harm's way. They got knocked for doing this now. You're going to see this more and more. You are openly seeing the talk of quote-unquote reparations which is not, it's not really reparations. First of all, we've already had reparations in this country for a very long time. That's, that was the entire purpose of the great society and the welfare programs was to make reparation for slavery a, a century prior. Uh, but it's not really reparations. And this wouldn't be reparations either because that wouldn't be the end. You're telling me that, okay, we're going to, we're going to have a big reparations fund and we're going to give all the black people some money, and we're probably going to give other races some money. Why? I don't know, but that's being talked about. And we're going to give recent Nigerian immigrants some money from who? From just white people? How are you going to do that in the tax code? I'm not sure. And okay, let's say you do it, and then we're all good, right? Then it's totally fine. Uh, something tells me that's not what's going to happen. This is not just being enforced. This, this racial caste system, this highly racial ideology is not just being enforced at the local level of some kooky pride parades or something. This is being enforced by the government. That's what affirmative action is. It disadvantages whites and Asians, and it gives advantage to, to blacks and Hispanics in college admissions and elsewhere. It's also at the cultural level. There's a new movie coming out. It looks really bad. I don't want to judge a movie by its trailer, because I haven't obviously seen the movie yet. And the movie, well, take a listen. I'll take a, I don't want to color your view. Take, uh, is that a politically incorrect term? Am I allowed to use that word anymore? Take a listen to the movie, Karen. Tell me about your new neighbors. They're black. <laughs> Do you mind keeping it down? If you don't comply, I'll tell the manager. Somebody's taking home security serious. Hi, I am Karen Drexler. I'm your neighbor. You need to be taking your trash cans off the curb right when the trash is picked up. Is she nice? Yeah. She's nice. Wait a minute. We have a white entitled neighbor named Karen. Karen. Okay, enjoy yourself. There she is slaving away in the kitchen. I've come across some very suspecting teenagers. Suspecting? Can you please hurry up? Please, it's, they're very aggressive. Yep. I left my wallet with my ID at home. Leave us alone. We didn't do anything. How the heck did you end up moving to this neighborhood? Next thing you know, we have criminals. You take care of him, and I will take care of her. Would you mind stepping out of the car? My office has uncovered some disturbing information on her and her brother. She doesn't like black people. 
we have a search warrant. Well, I'm black. I know, she doesn't like you either. Karen! Ah! <laughs> this uh, doesn't look great. People are comparing this movie to Get Out. Uh, the difference, of course, is Get Out is a good movie, and this movie <laughs> is does not look very good. Right, Get Out is actually about this issue of assimilation and this fear that when you assimilate into a culture, you lose your soul, which is an interesting concept, and I thought it was a cl- clever movie. This doesn't look like that. This movie uses a racial slur, which is Karen. Some people are laughing at the idea that Karen is a racial slur. It, it is a ra- I mean, it, it's explicitly just a, a derogatory term for white women. So I'm not, I mean, I'm using the term, I'm, I, I've used some slurs. I've used, uh, I've, I've just the other day, actually in my book, I use a slur for Italian Americans. Not, not because I'm yelling at, but just in the context of describing it. I use one for the Irish. I use one for Asian. I use a few. I use them to point out what these slurs are. Karen is a racial slur. There's no getting around it. It's one that, it's a mainstream one. It's one that we're all, you're not really allowed to say the other slurs. And there's one slur, obviously, you can, you can never say. They would never make a movie with that name. Uh, but the argument here is just preposterous. I think the reason that Get Out rang true to people is because it's a legitimate fear. It is not just black people into a broader white culture, but any group of people into any broader culture, there is a legitimate fear of assimilation. Here, the claim being made is that white women are committing racist hate crimes against black people, that that's the defining epidemic of our country. And it's just not true. It just isn't happening. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. When you look at the federal government's hate crime statistics, you can look at the racial breakdown of the offenders and of the uh, general population. 52.5% of hate crime perpetrators are white. And that includes Hispanics because Hispanics have now been defined as white. So just very slightly over half of the offenders in hate crimes are white. 73% of Americans broadly, including Hispanics who are now defined as white, are white. So relative to their percentage of the population, whites and Hispanics are very, very unlikely, significantly less likely to be committing these hate crimes. If you look at the percentage of hate crimes committed by black people, that percentage is 23.9%. If you look at the percentage of the population total that is black, it's 13.4%. So I'm not making any claim that it's because of an intrinsic biological reason or something that whites and Hispanics are relatively less likely to commit hate crimes and black people are relatively more likely to commit hate crimes. I'm just just telling you what the federal statistics are. I'm not saying we should make a, a movie with some black racial slur about the way that hate crimes are really perpetrated in this country. I'm not even saying the, the term hate crime it, it should be a common term. I think it's a ridiculous term because I don't think there are very many love crimes. <laughs> I guess that would be the opposite of a hate crime. I'm just pointing out the reason that the trailer for Karen is risible, the reason that we're all making fun of it, is because while the ruling elites and the liberal establishment tell us that the great problem is white supremacy, or you know, LeBron James is telling us black men can't leave their homes without being hunted down by racist whites, 
We just all know it's not true. It's the furthest thing from the truth. When Merrick Garland, the attorney general, comes out and says, the greatest threat to, to us in America, the terroristic threat is white supremacy. We just know that's ridiculous. It's just absolutely, absolutely preposterous. It is not true. And if you want to solve problems of racial division, if you want to solve problems of crime, which is spiking in cities around the country, you need to be able to diagnose what is really going on, right? The, the first step to solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem. And our culture will not do that. I think this is actually part and parcel of this, this broader alienation of common sense Americans, of all races, of all stripes, of all appearances, from the group of, of silly mediocrities that, that are pretending to be the ruling class. And I suppose they really are the ruling class in this country. They just, they just have no right to be. And believe it or not, the Karen trailer is not the sickest racialized video going around the internet. A white lib mother took to TikTok to explain why she won't comfort her little baby girl when she cries because we should not play into, quote, white woman tears, even those of a baby. We'll have to get to that tomorrow because we're out of time. How's that for a cliffhanger? Stay safe out there. Don't get nuked by Joe Biden. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Joe Biden threatens to nuke gun-owning Americans. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, defends teaching critical race theory in the military. And Democrats reap the whirlwind as crime skyrockets. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 